All right, what's up, people? It's Brandon Basell from the Affluent and Black Podcast. Um, excuse me, I am feeling a little under the weather, but we still getting this content to you guys. And today we have another special guest, uh, Sherrod, and this man is just remarkable. So I'm going to let him tell you uh, about him. Uh, so where are you from, your upbringing? Just tell us who you are and to talk about your company. Sure. So my name is uh, Sherrod Woods, uh, founder and CEO of 3NetWise Incorporated. We're a patented remote patient monitoring company located here in Chicago. I'm a native of Chicago, born and raised here on the southwest side uh, in LeClaire Courts, uh, attended Chicago Public Schools, both uh, Hearst Elementary and Curie High School, mm-hmm. uh, both on the southwest side of Chicago. Um <clears throat> I, uh, after high school, I, I matriculated to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale and was majoring in electrical engineering and uh, found out that it was the hardest major on campus <laughs> and that, that I was ill prepared to okay. major in electrical engineering. And so I had a, a math professor to tell me that I should think about changing my major uh, to something that was easier. And that really got under my skin. And so I, um, I went home to my dorm and wrote a sign that said, I will be an electrical engineer. Mm. And so I learned how to study. And then I ended up uh, transferring from SIU to a historically black college and university, Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans, where I received my degree in physics there. And then I matriculated to Howard University, another historically black college and university in Washington, DC where I received my uh, bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. And while I was there in my junior year, um, one of my professors who was an MD PhD from Harvard University uh, was teaching a seminar in bioengineering. And so he taught us that the body was comprised of all these different engineering systems, whether it be electrical or mechanical, civil or chemical. And so I was hooked on bioengineering and biomedical engineering And so after graduating Howard, I matriculated to Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, where I received my master's degree in electrical engineering, and I Mm. focused in biomedical engineering. And my um, master's thesis was on the um, baseline wonder removal filter for the the ECG signal. So it was a heart monitor that patients would wear, and we would remove any uh, ambient noise from the signal so as not to distort the ECG signal recording for that patient. Uh, and I received an A plus uh, for that work, mm. and I was really hooked that this is really for me. And um, while I was there at Cornell, we had a a guest lecturer to come in, uh, Wilson Greatback, the inventor of the implantable pacemaker. And he explained to us that he came up with the idea while working in the physiology department that the heart was just a pump with a wire and and battery attached to it. And so that's how he came up with the implantable pacemaker. And so um, after listening to that, I I was really uh, intrigued and wanted to learn more about how to apply engineering to the body. And so after I graduated from Cornell, uh, I went to work for Motorola uh, here in Chicago as an embedded software engineer um, doing uh, software for uh, cars, automated locks and windows and, and such. And I learned how to program microprocessors at that point. And after a year of that, I decided I really want to go into biomedical engineering. So um, I was recruited by GE Healthcare 
uh, out of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, was recruited into their Edison engineering program. It was a two-year rotational program, and you, you got a chance to rotate in different facets of medical imaging. So I did software uh, engineering for both the medical resonance imaging and computer tomography imaging. Uh, and received awards for for my software work there, software development work. And then after graduating the program, um, I decided a few years later to start my own business. And I, I started an IT firm, 3NetWise, uh, in August of 2000. And went to D.C. with my then new wife and new baby girl <laughs> to, to chase government contracts. Yeah. And um, serendipitously, I ran into my old professor from Howard University, Dr. Ernest Carter, and they had just received a grant to do telemedicine. And so I was like, what is telemedicine? And he explained to me what they were doing. They were remotely monitoring patients, but they were using like the large kiosk system where you go to the Walgreens and sit in the sit in the booth and put your arm in a cuff and all that. And I said, there's a much better way to do this, Doc. And he said, well, if you can figure it out, I would suggest that you do it. So we did that. And we, we filed for patent protection in March of 2008. And we received the first patent June 26, 2018. And then our second patent, September 20th, uh, 2020. And then we began, when, when COVID hit, that's when we knew that the technology could really be used because before we weren't getting much traction. Mm -hmm. It was it was more of a nice to have, but not a need. Uh, but then it became a need with, with COVID and we began calling hospitals and finally Cook County Health took our call and said, hey, we'd like to see what you guys have. They saw what we had and, and after you know months of discussions, we created a pilot for chronically ill patients to keep them out of the emergency rooms mm -hmm. and out of the hospitals and remotely monitor them from home using Bluetooth enabled medical peripherals. Wow. That 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 was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Basically you're a rocket scientist, right? Well, actually, uh, I did a summer internship with NASA for two for uh, two summers. So. <laughs> <laughs> the irony, I'm not surprised. That that's that's impressive. So going back, you said you created a sign that said I am going to be an electrical engineer. Yes. That's powerful. You know, because I always speak about um, affirmations and just, you know, like I like putting up sticky notes. Like I still put sticky notes like in my bathroom of like goals I want to reach. Mm -hmm. And people underestimate that. That's powerful. You know, someone t told you that, you know, choose something easier and you went the path of, you know, the, the most resistance and you're successful. That's that's powerful. So with three net wise, mm -hmm. uh, th did you start it with anyone? You have any partners or? Uh, I'm 97% owner of the company, but I did okay. um, bring aboard uh, three software engineers. One one of the software engineers I went to school with at, at Howard, mm -hmm. uh, and he was the um, former software architect for Blackboard, the uh, educational software platform. So I brought him on board to help me to kind of map out how I wanted the platform to, to work and interact with the patients. Okay. Okay, and, and as far as breaking into the healthcare field, it's not an easy field to break into. No, it's you not. Know, it's so basically, like, how did you guys go about getting those contracts in hospitals? Were you like emailing, calling? Because you know, like, like acquiring those contracts is 
you know, something someone else out here may want to do for some of their devices, right? And it's not easy. Were you just, was it just as simple as being persistent as far as reaching out? Did you use any connections? Like, how, how, how did you go about that? It was definitely persistence. So as I had mentioned earlier, we, we'd call several hospitals uh, and we, we didn't have any luck. And then finally we called Cook County Health and they were willing to listen to what we, what we had to say, given that we were in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and so we were able to get a, a meeting with the uh, the chief information officer, huh. and we did a demo over the web, and uh, because there, no one was going in person, you know, face-to-face -face because of the pandemic, so we did everything virtual, and we were able to demonstrate the technology virtually to show them this thing, that it works. And so they were impressed with that, and they said, hey, we want you guys to come in because we, we really want to look at, you know, it, uh, doing a pilot for our chronically ill patient population. Nice. Wow. So how did you go about getting the devices created? I mean, I know you're an electrical engineer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, how did we you go about it. Yeah. So we started off with this device. It's called a, a plug computer. And basically it's a computer that you plug into your wall, but it has Wi-Fi capability and also cellular capability. Okay. Um, and Bluetooth. So we were able to initially start off with this device have the patient to plug it into their wall, and then use Bluetooth-enabled medical devices to communicate with this device. Okay. The only problem with this is that there was there was no visual cue or any visual feedback for the patient. So we we quickly uh, realized that we needed to uh, migrate the software to a different platform. So we we migrated to the Android platform for both phones and tablets. And, and now the iOS platform for Apple devices. And so the pilot uh, consisted of the patients getting uh, these uh, tablets, these Android tablets, and uh, all the medical equipment that they were prescribed by their physicians. Mm. And uh, the patient would then use the tablet to take his or her own vitals. And then the vitals are securely sent to the patient's electronic medical record system. So we had to integrate our software with the with the hospital's electronic medical record system, which took about six weeks for us to do that. Mm -hmm. And then once we were able to do that, we would get the patient record, which is basically a database of all the patient names and patient IDs and all that. We would read in the, the, the patient um, uh, information from the database and then uh, enroll them into the program. And we had a another company that went out to the patient's homes to train them on how to use the equipment, how to use the, the technology. And after about 15 or 20 minutes of training, the patient was ready to go. Um, we would then test to make sure that their vitals were being sent to the right record. Uh, and they were good from there. Okay. So, you, so as far as the technology and the the devices, you created everything like domestically. I mean, did you go out uh, outsource uh, materials from you know other countries or? Well, the 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 devices are commercially available off the shelf devices or COTS devices. Ah. So they're manufacturers like Nonin for the pulse oximeter. Okay. Um, Welch Allen is another company. Okay. Um, and so Omron is another. So we just use their devices off the shelf. And then we, we have an agreement with each of those companies to configure our software with their hardware. Ah, okay. So it's so a win-win. They get to sell hardware. We get to integrate our software. 
So as far as uh, using those companies and uh, them allowing you to integrate with your software, it was just a matter of just reaching out to them as well? Correct. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Why do you think no one else has tried to, you know, come out with this? Or, or, or do you have, are there competitors or? There there are competitors. There are the, the Me Too's that are here now. But the fortunate thing <laughs> is that we were able to file for patent protection Back in March of 2008. So that's our priority date. Nice. So anyone who came in April 2008, you're too late. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And so it's like the, like the, the saying goes with the, the guy who, the second guy that came up with the invention for the telephone, he made it a day, a day late. So we don't even know who that guy (laughs) is. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so we, we have a, a patent litigation firm that's representing us on contingency and going after these companies that are copying our, our product. Nice. So can you talk about the patent process since, since we're on, we're on that? And yes. If you feel comfortable, how, how much was it for, for the patents? Sure. So it was uh, not cheap. <laughs> it was not cheap. Uh, we went through three patent attorneys okay. uh, before we found the right one. Uh, and what we learned from that experience is that if you call a handyman to fix something in your house, they may be good at plumbing, but they, they're not good at electrical or drywall, for instance. <laughs> I bet. And so we thought a patent attorney was a patent attorney was a patent attorney, and that's, that wasn't the case. So we finally found a patent attorney with the right background, and each patent attorney charges about fifteen to 20000 for their for their services uh, to file the patent. Uh, that's patent uh, prosecution. Um, and so we finally found the right <laughs> patent attorney um, in Silicon Valley. Okay. And he was well-versed. He had a background in electrical engineering, uh, and mechanical engineering. And, uh, and he had a law degree. And so he knew the ins and outs of what we were doing. And he was able to not only get our first patent through, but expand upon what we were doing to cover more intellectual property. Wow. Okay. 15, 20,000. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and that was 2008 prices, so they've probably gone up since then. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably looking at like 30K right now. Right. <laughs> Jesus. So th- so I'm sure you received some type of funding for that? No, it was all personal savings, friends, and family. Wow, really? Yes. Wow. So you you went into your per- personal savings, used friends and family, uh, funds and literally invested fifteen, twenty thousand more than that in your business. Correct. Wow. Okay. A lot of people these days are not willing to take risks like that. You know, I just want to just reiterate that. Like you literally took a leap and you said, "Okay, I know this is something that the world needs, and I'm gonna throw my funds into that." That's 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 impressive. Seriously, Thank you. I commend you for that. Um, speaking since we're on that topic, what do you think about? entrepreneurs today as far as um the way they just go about business starting businesses uh investing what advice would you give them i i would i would well i don't want to be responsible for advice so i'll just give my opinion (laughs) your opinion Um, yeah i think you have to be really passionate about whatever it is that you're seeking to do as a business okay um and the and the reasoning for that is they're going to be you know times when you're up and times when you're down. Um, and so if, if at the root of that is your passion for whatever it is that, that you're doing, uh, 
that'll keep you going through those through those hard days when things aren't going so well or you didn't get a contract or you didn't get the the callbacks. Uh, as long as as you have passion for what it is that you're doing, eventually you you will be successful. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I like that. Um, it's all about just keep going, basically. Correct. And since um, we're talking about obstacles, right? A lot of entrepreneurs don't get over those hur- hur- hurdles or obstacles. They just fall back, fold, right? Mm-hmm. And they just try to start a new business or just don't do it at all. Did you face any opposition when, you know, trying to, I'm sure you did, when trying to get your technology out there? I mean, were there like companies, uh, providers, hospitals, they're like, nah, you know, this isn't needed, you know, because most people get told no once and they give up. Right. Yeah, I remember distinctively there there was a hospital here in Chicago, and this was circa like 2000. 11, 2012, and everything works works with cellular. And the person that we were meeting with, their office was in the basement. <laughs> and so, Seriously? Yeah. And so the technology wouldn't work. We, we couldn't get it. We couldn't get the cellular device to work. And, um, and it was one of the worst meetings I've ever had in my life uh, because I knew the technology worked. But because of where we were located in the, you know, sub-basement, I couldn't get a cellular signal to prove that it worked. Uh, And so that was a no. Uh, And um, we talked to another hospital. They were like, yeah, we'd like you to do a pilot, but who's going to pay for it? And we're like, you guys have tons of money. You should pay for it. And they were like, no, we don't have money allocated for that. So if you guys don't have the money, we won't do the pilot. Um, And so... As the as the years went by, we got a lot of no's, uh, and so I I had gone back into corporate uh, to work as a senior research engineer, mm. um, and did that for about twelve years, and then in 2018 I said, you know what, I'm going to jump out here again and go after this, and then two years later, COVID hit, and life for us changed overnight. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and you filed for the patents before you went back into correct. Yeah, so you were taking that risk up front, and in that moment, you're like, okay, it's probably probably isn't going to work. And then you said, you know what? Let me just go into corporate, you know. And then you just jumped back in 2018 when you saw an opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah, because I knew it would just be a matter of time uh, before the before the technology you know, caught up where people caught up with the technology and realized that uh-huh. it's more of a need than a nice to have. For sure. And that's, that's key. I really want to point that out. You went back to work. To a nine to five. Nine to five. <laughs> yes. You know, a lot of people have um, ego, pride, and they're not willing to do that. You know, I had to do that, you know, to be transparent at one point, mainly because I say, okay, the more income I have, I can pour into my businesses. Correct. You know, as long as long as it's not more than, you know, nine to five, it's not like a 12 hour job, right, a day right. job, you know, I can use those funds and build my business faster. Correct. Versus trying to survive on income from new businesses that's barely generating money. And right. I just wanted to point that out. That's key. A lot of people have too much pride and they're not wanting to do that. You know, they're just going to 
try and play the entrepreneur role until they're so deep in debt to the point they have to file bankruptcy. It's like, no, just go back to work right. when you need to. Like it's 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 okay to retreat. Right. That's exactly. what I'm trying to say. It's okay to retreat. Right. You know, some of the best entrepreneurs and billionaires today had to do that at one point. Right. And that's fine. So that's I commend you for that. Seriously. So what what are you doing uh today with the company? What 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 new what new projects are you working on? If you can talk about that. Sure. So the pilot with Cook County was hundred percent successful. Nice. Uh they're looking to expand the the, the pilot mm -hmm. uh beyond the thousand patients that we that we had enrolled uh to tens of thousands of patients. Mm. Uh so we're looking forward to to that process. Uh, we're gonna have to bid on that on that particular contract that is coming down the pike, um, and uh, we're also working um, uh, discussing our our technology with uh, with uh, a country <laughs> outside of the U.S. I can't nice. say the name of the com uh, the, the country, but uh, I have that call on Wednesday at six thirty a.m. Central. Oof. They're eight hours <laughs> ahead of us. Uh, and so um, I met them at a, at a health conference. So they were really excited about the technology and how they could use it in their country. So um, we're, we're excited to expand the technology, not only here in Chicago, but across the country and hopefully across the world. That's amazing. And, and that's going to be our next question. Uh, I was going to ask if you had plans on expanding to like other states or any states you're looking at. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there, there are several states that we're looking at right now. Um, we're also looking to get into the Veterans Administration uh, to provide remote patient monitoring to chronically ill veterans. Okay. So as as far as getting to into these um, hospitals, um, as far as the money being spent, do the hospitals get a certain percentage or great question is that you know how does yeah. that has that revenue model work yeah great question so remote patient monitoring is reimbursable so it's reimbursable as though you were going into the doctor for a face-to-face -face visit ah. and they have what's called uh, current procedural technology codes or cpt codes as they're called okay and there there are at least four or five of those codes that add up to about two hundred dollars a month per patient Okay. So as you can see, we, we charge in like thirty, thirty five dollars per month per patient. Okay. And then they net two hundred minus that thirty dollars. So one hundred and seventy dollars uh, the hospitals can receive in revenues. Oh in wow. additional revenues. Yeah, that's that's good money. Yep. <laughs> you got a lot of patients. Right. Huh. And the patients are at home, they're not inundating the <clears throat> the doctor's office or the emergency room. Uh, they're able to take their vitals from home. Nice, interesting. Are you uh, looking to sell a company at at, at one point, or <laughs> in the future, or that, you... that, that remains to be seen. <laughs> with with the um, with the way that the economy is now, the uh, the multiple that we could have sold it for a few years ago has declined. For sure. So, so there was a time when we could have sold for twenty times revenues, mm. but now that number is more like seven to ten. So, I don't think right now we're looking to 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 sell. We want to grow it yeah. as much as we can. Yeah, that's probably like the best the best route. Yeah. So, what advice would you have for someone looking to get into telemedicine um, today? 
Um, because again, that field is difficult. You know, and it requires money. <laughs> yeah, I would I would say if you're looking to get into the the telemedicine space, you have to decide if you're if you're going to be a reseller of hardware or if you're going to be a software company, right? Um, a lot, and you have to decide if you're going to do. So there's a difference between telemedicine and telehealth. Okay, can so, you explain. Yeah, so so telehealth is more of a like a FaceTime with a doctor. There are no vitals involved. It's just you doing a video visit with your physician. Yeah, I've done that. Right, so that's telehealth, right? <laughs> yeah. But telemedicine actually involves looking at uh, the vitals of a patient, right? So heart rate or blood pressure or temperature or pulse oximetry for the blood oxygen levels. That's more on the medical side, right? So they're looking to make a clinical decision based on what they're what they're seeing with your vitals. So that's telemedicine. Uh. So you know, one would have to decide um, which route you want to take, and then there's also mental health, right? Uh, that you could go into and basically build a platform to basically do a FaceTime visit with, with a, with a patient, right. And mm -hmm. making sure that it's secure, right. And no one can break into, you know, um, a video chat, right. When you're talking about mental health, right. Um, so I, I would say those are the different avenues, you know, either build a software platform, okay. um, that, that accommodates patients for face, basically FaceTime visits or the medical device piece. But if you do the medical device piece, you're going to be infringing on our patents. So you're going to have to, <laughs> you have to pay us <laughs> to go into business. So. <laughs> he, he just let it be known. Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's tough now. <laughs> so can you, uh, demo that? I can. Yeah. Um, so what I'm going to show here. I know, uh, in just a background, uh, we met at, uh, a, uh, at, at Biggs Mansion downtown Chicago at the Cigar Lounge. Yes. And uh, that's where we met. And, you know, we were just, just out, just, and this happened, you know. So I always tell people, just put yourself in places uh, where you know it's going to be people that you want to meet. Right, exactly. Right, you know, I mean, there are certain, like, restaurants downtown Chicago that are known to have, like, a lot of business people that, you know, dine there. You know, just put yourself in those places, and you can make a lot of connections. Correct. And I'm happy we, we, we crossed paths Absolutely. and met. Absolutely. So, that's key. All right, so what I'm going to demonstrate now, so this is an app, our app that you can download on either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. So if you if you type in real-time vital signs, you know, four different words, mm -hmm. uh, or three netwise, uh, you, you'll be able to pull up the app. So what I'm gonna demonstrate here on the iPhone is the pulse oximetry, which is gonna tell me the level of oxygen in my blood and my heart rate. Uh, and so it just popped up and then I'll turn it here and you see it here on the, on the device here. So it's being uploaded to my electronic medical record, wow. um, which is uh, Oracle Cerner's electronic medical record system. And it, we do the same for all the different vitals, whether it be blood pressure or weight or uh, temperature, we can do all of those vitals right from the convenience of your phone. Wow. And that gets sensed, like your doctor has access to that, Correct. your provider. Correct. Huh. Are you able to go um, direct to consumers? 
Um, we can. The the only the only difficulty we've seen with that model is that you you have to have a relationship with um, health insurance companies. Okay. Right. And 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 that's a tough nut to crack uh, to to get into that space uh, because with a consumer they could purchase the products right and download the software but they their primary care physician would have to have um our software integrated with their electronic medical record system now we we've pursued that model we're, we're looking at that model of going after individual primary care physicians okay and then providing the integration of our software with their their electronic medical record system for free in exchange for a 50-50 revenue split for their patient population. Nice. So that $200 that I alluded to, we would get $100 a month per patient. They would get the other $100. Nice. And this is building those relationships with the um, providers? Correct. Okay. Because that, that's going to be our next question. Have you tried, like, infiltrating um, medical facilities by making connections with you know, top performers, providers there? Right. So we, we reached out to a group here in Chicago, a um, nephrology group. So for kidney disease patients and kidney dialysis patients. Okay. Reached out to that group because they serve a large number of patients. Um, and as you know, uh, kidney disease uh, affects people of color disproportionately. So we were looking yeah. at at talking to them about remotely monitoring those patients either at home or in the dialysis centers, because a lot of times the nephrologists have to travel to the dialysis center just to take the patient's vitals. Uh. <laughs> and so they're, they're band limited by how many patients they can see in one day because they have to travel from one facility to the next. Oh, wow. Huge inconvenience. Right. Huh. And it's reimbursable. So they would get paid the same amount of money as if they were there in person. Okay, have you tried? Have you have you thought about uh, adding any other um, technologies to, to to your company or? So what we're what we're looking at now is uh, artificial intelligence. Oh wow, that's so, big! Yeah, right now. yeah. So what we're looking to do is to be able to predict whether a patient is trending towards, uh, say, atrial fibrillation with the heart. Yeah, here really? or some other acute episodic event such as a heart attack or a stroke by looking at previous data and then looking at a patient that actually had an episode, what were, what were the conditions of that patient at the time of the episode? And then be able to look at if other patients are trending towards that type of episode. So that's huh. that's the future for 3.wise is, is to uh, be able to use artificial intelligence to predict uh, whether a patient is, is gonna you know, really have a catastrophic event such as a heart attack or stroke. Wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the power of uh, AI, and, and and of course, I know that takes time to build out, but that's amazing, man. I'm 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 happy for you and the Thank company. Uh, I think you guys are doing like great things. Thank you. Seriously, um, that's all I have at the moment. I mean, this is this was all amazing. So, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to www.3netwise.com, and that's the digit three, not the word spelled out. So 3netwise.com. 
Nice. Are you guys on any social media platforms or? Uh, Facebook. <laughs> We're on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's it, people. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Live Good Knowledge Drop uh, about the telemedicine field. And see you guys next time. Thank you. <laughs>